0: again to the real collective podcast my name is brendan mckeegan with me as always is sean Tasse. and down in the comments below you've got our calendly links so you can talk to us directly about anything that you want even if it's just game of thrones uh today we've got a special guest that you can see on the show she is a professor she is a real estate investor and she teaches law at Carleton, business law at Carleton. Uh, Jessica Ann Boyron is here. Jessica, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for
1: having me, guys.
0: Yeah, Sean, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm I'm well. I'm I'm
2: excited to uh, I'm excited to have Jess on. Jess, Jess, we've been we've been friends for at least well. We were just talking about how time has been weird, so I feel like it's probably been at least three years but i feel like everything's been at least three years it's been longer than that um but yeah, it's it's been it's been awesome to see your um, your journey and to get to spend more time with you because in that time you've actually moved you guys have moved to Ottawa, um, and it's been uh, it's been awesome to to hang out and get to know you and get to know your family and stuff like that, um, and we're super excited to have you here because I think there are a lot of people who are real estate investors and I think there's a lot of insight that you have into the particularities of investing. Negotiating the legal side of, of of investing in real estate and what what that all means. So we're happy to have you here and sort of unpack, uh, you know, as 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 much as you'd like to of, of your brain and and, and share your uh, your knowledge with us. So uh, why don't you take a couple seconds to introduce yourself, tell us uh, tell everybody who who you are, and then uh, we'll we'll jump into to some cool stuff to talk about.
1: Absolutely. So um, my I guess journey in real estate started back when. Um, I was practicing law. So after law school, uh, I worked at a national, a large national law firm. I practiced corporate and commercial law with a focus on the energy sector. Um, And during that time is when I started my foray into real estate investing. So I bought, you know, my first rental property during that time. And because I had a great income, I was able to qualify for loans. Right. So I kept going for the second, the third, the fourth, um, and alongside my husband, we built out um, a flipping and wholesaling business. So eventually, I migrated um, out of law and into the business world, and uh, business world meaning real estate investing generally. Um, so, like I said, we uh, we flip houses, we also wholesale houses. Uh, I manage uh, a significant rental portfolio um, across Ontario. And then um, I also have a couple of short-term rentals, Airbnb's um, that I manage. So a very pretty diversified real estate business. And um, yeah, my newest venture has been uh, teaching at Carleton. I teach business law, which is really a combination of the two things I know and love most coming together. So that's been really, really fun. I've got 300 students in my class this semester. So it's been busy. It's been fun, but also very exciting.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And then, and then, yeah. And then plus of course um, you're also a a mom and you guys have a beautiful daughter. Um, And yeah. And, and so I guess you recently, I'd say probably in the last two, two or three years, you guys have, A, you've, you've moved, but your business has moved uh, from sort of Southern Ontario and you've, you, you're you doing a lot more work uh, up here and around Ottawa and, you know, Cornwall, Brockville, all that sort of Eastern and not Northern Ontario, but I guess, yeah, East, Eastern Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and have you found anything that's been different? Because I know a lot of people have said, oh, well, it's, it's different in Ottawa than it is in Toronto. What about from an investing point of view? Have you found a lot of differences there?
1: Um, so there are some unique, um, kind of intricacies about the Ottawa market that I actually love. So we moved here, I want to say about two and a half years ago, uh, from Toronto and really we expanded our our home buying, um, in the Ottawa area. And the majority of, uh, my rental properties actually are in Ottawa and the greater Ottawa area, like down to Brockville, like you said. Um, and what I really love about the Ottawa market is, um, that employment is a little bit unique in terms of yes, we've got um, the federal government here, but in in times of of change and of transition, like we're experiencing right now, you know, during pandemic and now post pandemic with markets shifting, um, I really like the Ottawa market because the fundamentals are so strong for for a real estate investor. We have jobs where um, they're very secure. And, uh, you know, the federal government isn't really shrinking. There's no plan to really shrink the government. So, if, if we have a big pool of potential tenants who have stable jobs, stable income, good pensions, that's really attractive to to an investor. Um, and the price points still work as rental properties. Yeah.
2: It, 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 provided that you buy them right. Um, yeah. You, you can. You, you got you you're you're in a very uh, great position to be able to buy properties right uh, simply because of the, the the business that you've built and i don't know if you're going to do it but i'll do it um you your your, your business your wholesaling business um it, I, I think it, as far as i'm concerned as far as i understand is the is the the pinnacle wholesaling business that all of the other investors in Canada look to in terms of the model that you've built out, um, which is which is a pretty big accolade uh, to have built all of that and <clears throat> to do it in such a way that doesn't just follow the law, but is also ethical in, in, in how you practice. And I think that's a really um, hard, hard, hard needle to thread because of there's so many realtors who look at it and say, well, that can't be ethical. Right. Um, And so it's, 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 it is a tough needle of the thread. And I think you guys have done an exceptional job at it. So. yeah. Well, well,
1: thanks, Sean. Um, Really, we're just trying to find win-win scenarios, right. Um, For the vast majority of home sellers, working with a realtor is by far their best choice, but there is a small niche of people where um, there are certain things that we can offer and we can work together on that just works.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know what, there's, 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 there's a ton of different ways, different models to sell your house. And, you know, it's, 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 it's ignorant for us to think that the best fit model is always a realtor for every person. Um, what so so? What do you look for when you're when you're buying a property? So when you 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 you, you shift you sift through a, a ton of different places, what is it specifically that you're looking for? And especially as the market's shifting now, what are the indicators? Obviously, you said it, 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 in general, Ottawa is a, is, a, is a strong market in terms of uh, employment rates. But what are the things, the specific things that you're looking for in uh, in properties that you buy?
1: Um, so if I'm looking at the property as, as a rental property, let's, let's start with that kind of side of things. So, I'm looking at it as, as, a, as a rental property. There are two main things that I always want to kind of check off at, at my high level checklist. And that's cash flow and potential future appreciation. So when I'm looking at cash flow, um, I want to and again, things are shifting now. So what I used to do a couple months ago has changed a little bit. So um, when I'm looking at cash flow, I'll run the numbers with current interest rates, but knowing that I can expect interest rates to go up a little bit likely in the next little while. And so giving myself that buffer, right, right. of saying, well, interest rates are at X right now, but they might climb to Y. So I need to make sure that I account for that in my, my calculations. Right. Um and then also on the um on the other side is potential future appreciation. So when I'm looking at which submarket I want to invest in, I'm looking at areas that are generally gentrifying or on an upward trend, and areas that long term will have stability and a demand for uh, for rental housing.
2: Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and from from a, from a broad point of view, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, I think. It's, it's been hard in Ottawa proper to find a property that both cash flows and has potential for appreciation. I think if you want appreciation, you're typically more buying in the middle of the city, but you're not getting cash flow. And if you want cash flow, you're typically going to the outskirts, uh, but then you're not, you are not you don't have that appreciation potential. So it's, it, it must be hard to find both or... Uh, I guess, balance them against each other?
1: Yeah, and it's definitely a balancing act. And I think maybe the one thing I didn't mention was finding creative solutions where you can kind of try to hit both. So as an example, right now, um, I'm building out two coach houses on, uh, on one of my properties. So uh, they're single family homes. Uh, we, I had an option of either doing, you know, a, a legal secondary suite in the basement uh, as a secondary dwelling unit or building out the coach house. And after running the numbers, um, it made more sense to build out the coach house, just because we can push the rents up higher on two standalone properties. And I think it'll be more attractive to tenants long term to have their own space, right? to have their own separate space. They do not share any walls with anyone else. Um, we're separating the, the backyard such that each, um, each house on the lot now has their own dedicated backyard that's fenced in. Um, so when I think about it that way, it's, um, you know, I'm creating two properties from one property. Um, and so that value add over the long term, um, really can, can, can make the deal work or otherwise it might not.
2: I think that's really smart. And you know what? There's a lot of people who aren't looking that way because coach houses are, 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 are they're too new, right? It's, it's, it's the same thought process that people would have had about SDUs, for example, here five years ago, where it's become more and more commonplace. I just think people don't understand the cost associated associated with 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 the coach houses, uh, you know, or 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 what the potential rental difference is.
0: Hmm. Right. So and not only that, just cost of renovations. Like if you're gonna put in an SDU. And you need to fire rate everything on top of what was there before and cut that. You're almost better off doing a coach house, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And especially, I mean, I know like the hospital area would be, I had some clients who were talking about doing that, doing a coach house and renting it out because how many nurses and doctors just want to have a place close by that they can just (laughs) grab. And I mean, there's definitely a market for those coach houses. And like you said, that, sense of your own dwelling with no shared walls that's a that's a kind of a game changer than being in a basement apartment yeah
2: yeah it's true I uh I know I I remember at one point I found out that if you're in a I think it's a 1.2 or something like that kilometer radius from the hospital then there's then there's subsidies that come from the hospital to the nursing students who are there so there's 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 a lot there's so many different little Things to pick up as you go along, um, and last last question I have for you just before we break um, is: What have you learned from being a professor at university that you're like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm going to apply this uh, in into into my business. Has there been anything that's like, oh yeah, this is this is perfect. I'm going to put this in place, or is it the other? Um, way?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, to answer that question. It's very much, I'm, I'm now surrounded by kind of the next generation, right? These are the next generation of business leaders. I teach at the business school. Um, so getting insight into, you know, how, they, how their minds work, what they're looking for, kind of what those future trends are, has been really, really cool. Um, but it's a little bit more the reverse where, you know, me, um, my legal experience and my experience as an entrepreneur and business owner... Bringing that into the classroom, I found is so valuable because I, I've heard from a number of students where, um, you know, a, lo- a lot of the um, the instructors that they have are very, uh, very much focused on academia and publishing articles and doing research, but they're not always getting that uh, hands-on real life experience um, from their instructors. And so, you know, me teaching and, and part of the, the business law course, we, we talk about property law. And so me actually being able to give them real world examples of some of the issues that arise in property law transactions makes them so much more motivated and engaged in the classroom uh, versus just giving them the theoretical, you know, lay of the land in terms of the law and, and leaving it there. So that, that's been actually really, really great to be able to bring in that, um, that practical experience into the classroom.
2: Yeah, yeah, I bet I can imagine being being a student there versus being yeah the stu- the student in the classroom, especially if some of the instructors or professors have been in the classroom for twenty years, they might be so far removed from it. It's interesting that you that you mentioned um, that you know these these groups of uh, you know the the kids right they're they're, they're younger. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting, um, to think of, okay, well, this is the next generation of business leaders and, uh, to <clears throat> take the difference in mindset and use that. I think moving forward is, uh, I think they'd be really keen in terms of, uh, in terms of building out because you're going to be hiring these people in, in, in four or five years. Right. Um, and so to know how your business is built in a way that they're going to want to uh, be a part of it, I think is, uh, forward
0: thinking in my mind but absolutely all right i think that's a good spot to, to uh take our first break uh it's also our only break so we're gonna go do that uh don't forget to like subscribe and share on youtube spotify and apple Podcasts, and book an appointment with us in the Calendly links below <laughs> we will be right back here's a word from our sponsor this episode of The Real Collective Podcast is brought to you by Real Collective. Real Collective brings together best-in-class real estate agents and collective experts in the field to deliver the best possible service to our clients. We govern ourselves with honesty, open-mindedness, and compassion. With diverse skill sets, our agents are able to better serve a wide array of clients, including first-time buyers, first-time sellers, transferees, estate sales, investors, and rural, vacation, and luxury properties. Authenticity and transparency are pillars of our process, which allows us to put our clients at the center of everything we do. Our years of experience and knowledge allow us to deliver prestigious service and optimal results. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, contact us today at realcollective.ca welcome back everybody to the second half of the rcp that's right acronyms they're back baby uh don't forget to like subscribe and share the channel on youtube apple Podcasts, and spotify uh sean and jessica and are both still with me and uh we're gonna get into the second half here sean why don't you uh why don't you bring up what was on your mind that you wanted to ask yeah i mean
2: uh, so i mean there's you've done just <laughs> Words. <laughs> so, so many different transactions, so many different purchases, so many different sales. Um, one have been uh, some experiences that you've had working with agents. Either, I mean, some some great ones, some some not so great ones. Uh, and again, the idea here is to um, to shine some light on people who might want to be investors or who are investors. It's like, hey, you know, here's here's a thing to do, or here's a way to do it, or something like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we're buying houses across Canada. So yes, in Ontario, that's our, our, our you know, our biggest market we're focused here, but, um, we're also buying it in Montreal and an area. And so we're working with realtors there and like in BC as well. So we've got two listings in BC right now with, uh, with realtors, um, uh, on the market. Um, so for me, really the, the important thing is knowing, um, knowing the realtor you're going to work with and what their strengths are, because for different um, properties, so for a commercial property versus a residential property, you might turn to a different realtor that has expertise in that specific area. Um, At the same time, for me, um, location specific uh, experience is also important. So I always look to find a local realtor. So um, for example, out in BC, Um, that's very, I'm very, very far removed from that. And so I want a a, a realtor out there that I can trust to work with that knows that local market inside out because I might not. And so when I'm especially one of the properties we're doing some work on, um, the realtor out there has been great helping us find trades. We had to do a well and septic inspection. The realtor um, had contacts in that local area and was able to get us set up to get those inspections done quickly and efficiently. Um, Knowing what buyers in the area are looking for. So if I'm doing renovations uh, to that house, I want my realtor to understand who the target or most likely buyer will be for that house and what kinds of finishes are they looking for? Do we put in laminate countertops or are they looking for quartz? Will they pay that additional premium to have nice stone quartz countertops as an example? Right. Yeah. So it's it's understanding the market you're in, but also relying on the realtor to understand their market and having that expertise. Um, And I've had some some great experiences with uh, with realtors, you know, on the creative front as well. Um, So one example I I was just thinking of is um, when I was buying uh, a house. I call Andy the A-frame. She's an A-frame out in Bancroft in the woods, surrounded by evergreens, and she was listed on the MLS. She wasn't called Annie back then.
2: Uh, real, real, real quick question. Do you name all of your houses or is this one special?
1: This one is actually pretty special. So I've named her. I've named a couple houses, but they're usually just known by the street names they're on. But um, Annie, Annie is an exception because she's an exceptional property.
2: <laughs> <Actually>.
1: <laughs> uh, so before Annie was Annie and before she was mine, I, um, I found her on the MLS and I reached out to, uh, to the listing agent and I said, hey, I'm really interested in this house. I think it was listed for right around $50,000, somewhere around there. This is a few years ago now. And um, he had gotten a swarm of offers as soon as he listed the house. And so right away, Annie got picked up by someone. And so in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, you know, oh, that A-frame, I really wanted that A-frame. And something, I just got this, like my intuition kind of spoke to me. And I said, let me, let me reach out to that agent and see, see what happened with that A-frame. You know, maybe they have a different one. Maybe they bought a lead on something else. I called him back and he said, you won't believe this. The deal just fell through a couple, like a couple minutes ago, the the buyer backed out. And I was like, What do I do? I'll give you your ask price. I'll give you a a firm offer, no conditions. I want this house. What is it going to take to get the house? And uh, we actually worked together on it. And you know, I ended up buying the house. I actually ended up getting a reduction, which is pretty funny um, because there was so much interest. I went to go see the house, and there were there was one of the neighbors was breeding dogs at the time. So There was a lot of barking, and I managed to get a reduction down to I think it was forty two thousand is what I paid for the house. Um, but it was a full house with a septic system and a well, and um, I had to put a new septic system in, but it's it's a great house now I run it as an Airbnb, I did a full renovation on it, it's beautiful. Um, but sometimes it's just timing and follow up that, mm-hmm. uh, that get you over the hump and a realtor that's willing to work with you that knows you're serious, that can tell, you know, you've got a good track record, you've closed on properties, you're going to be a good buyer and just willing to work with you there.
2: I, uh, there, there's, there's, yeah, there's some great lessons to pull out of that story. I think follow-up is so key, right? Like <clears throat> it's never, it's never a no until it's a no, right? And, and because it sounds like what you had before was a not now. Um, and, and, you know, you got, sounds like you got super lucky about timing. But that has a lot to do with, like you said, it was an intuition thing, right? Um, I think that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, the other, I
1: have this, uh, this good, great saying I always love is, um, you can't get hit by the money bus if you're not standing on the street. <laughs> so you got to be standing there waiting for that money bus to hit you. Because if you're on the sidelines or on the sidewalk, it's not going to come. you got to put yourself out there and always be present, always be following up, always be top of mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a great analogy. Hit by the money bus. Um, I, I I also um, in the in the previous story, I like the idea of having a team uh, because because your business has grown so much. Uh, I think more and more um, you're, you're 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 having to rely on people around you to do their to do the the work and to do it sort of to your standards, right? And and you guys have done a good job of. Every everybody who's a part of your team who I've interacted with has always been upholding their end of the, of, of the piece. And, and just, it's, it's always been, you know, uh, good interactions that I've had with everybody who I've interacted with who's on your team. So, uh, it, it, it seems like you've done a very good job of hiring as well.
1: And hiring is so important. It's so critical. Um, because as you grow larger and larger as an organization, there's a company culture that you want to uphold. And so every new person you bring in, um, you're not only looking at what skills do they have and how can they they um, help in our organization, but also what kind, how will they impact the culture mm. and the culture that we want to see within our business. And we're very much um, all about ownership owning what your role is, but also owning the greater task or the greater property that we're working on. Um, and, and really it's a collaborative um, uh, work, workspace for, for us. So um, that's really nice to hear. <laughs>
2: It's true. And I think, I think that's why we get along so well, because we're the same way, right? Like the whole idea of the collective is, is, is it is collaborative, right? Everybody's working together. Um, the other, the other piece I wanted to touch on is um, you've got, you've got your crew, you've got your people who are also real estate investors. So you're always bouncing ideas off other, you know, uh, um, other people in this business and in this industry, uh, who you can, you know, get away for a weekend with like a girl's weekend. And my guess is you might have like one or two glasses of wine, but you're spending all of your time talking about deals and negotiations and all that kind of stuff. Even if you are, you know, getting away from it, you still kind of don't get away from it. Do you?
1: No, you don't. And we definitely talk about, I was actually just in, um, in Georgia, uh, in Blue Ridge in the mountains there. And uh, I had a great um, meetup with uh, some of my real estate investor friends from uh, across the U.S. Great. And we totally talked about deals the, a lot of the time, but it's, it's in a way that helps lift each other up. And so it's working through issues and trying to give each other advice on, hey, have you thought about this? Have you looked at that? Hey, I know this great lender. Maybe they could lend on your property. It's a lot of that back and forth, just support. Um, So, yes, support in business stuff, but also support on um, emotional and mental health, which we don't talk a lot about in in this space. Uh, But it's so important, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, it's so easy to get burnt out because you are the person that all the issues come to and you have to make those decisions. And it's hard. Like sometimes I've got decision burnout where I made like 50 decisions in a day and I'm, I'm out. I can't make any more decisions. Like my brain is just, it's overworked. Right. Um, and it's something we also don't talk about is how lonely sometimes it can be being an entrepreneur. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: it's, it's you yourself. Yes. I've got this great team that, that works with me, but a lot of the burden and all the growth lies with um, that business owner and, and that entrepreneur. And so Um, recognizing that and surrounding yourself with um, others who are in a similar position, like me going and spending time with, um, you know, my real estate investor friends, it's refreshing because they're going through those same issues. We can talk about them in a really candid and open way and really be vulnerable with one another about what's going on in the business, the great things that we see on Instagram and on the reels, but also the really hard stuff that you don't put out there but that is really, really critical to, uh, to, to maintain that, that level of sanity.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All, all, all of the small business owners that I, I speak with, it's the same thing. It's, man, this is lonely. Like I'm, I'm at the, you know, I'm, I'm the boss, so I'm here and I've got, like you said, I've got a, a good group and a good team here to, to help me out. But I feel alone because I'm making these decisions, and I, you know, am I making the right decision? There's no playbook. There's no like. There's no roadmap to. And it's you know, you're just trying to make the this the, the you try and make the right choice with the information that you have, and you know your values and your ethics, and 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 continue to move forward. And I, I, I think that's all you can do, right? Um, the other the other piece for me uh, that stood out for you is when we were working together on a project uh, we were in negotiations and I, and and I we were you, know, you your understanding of the um, like the technical aspect of negotiation specifically using the word anchoring I've never heard the word anchoring and when we were doing a deal you're like oh, okay well we can't go to this price because if we go that low then we're going to be anchoring ourselves at that and we're going to set that new price I'm like oh yeah that that it's something that I do innately but I've never put a word to it so to hear you come from like a technical point of negotiation it's like okay well this is like you know what you're doing like really well like not just like hey yeah I do this but like you've studied it, you know, and it shows.
1: Well, thank you. That that probably takes me right back to my lawyer days. Right. Um, Cause negotiation was a huge part of, of what I did as a lawyer um, on, you know, I was in a transactional environment. So it was deals, deals, deals. Um, so a lot of that I brought into the real estate world. Right. And kind of adapted it.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, all right. Before we go what is the, 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 the one deal or uh, other than any of the A-frame, but like, what's, what's the deal that you're like, Oh, here's story time. This was terrible. Never do this. Or on the other side, this worked out so well. I can't believe this actually happened. Putting you right on the spot, Jess.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, do it, do it. Oh, there's so many things I can think of. Um, I'm thinking re- recently we bought, we bought a 24 unit building. And again, it was multiple offers and we were not the, the, the top offer. Another offer was accepted. That offer fell through. And I don't know if this is a common uh, theme with me, but the offer fell through and we we got in there and it was all about putting together a really creative deal. So we paid actually $400,000 over their asking price, which was a lot. Um, it, it was a big amount more. but. Um, at the end of the day, we knew that they wanted a top top dollar for their property. That was their motivation. And so we said, okay, how can we give them top dollar, but also figure out a way that we can make it work financially on our end? And so we proposed um, a vendor take-back mortgage to the uh, the seller. We got an 84% VTB, um, 4% interest for five years with an option to renew at 6% for further um, five years. So 10 years for 5% if we want it, which in today's market is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so yes, we paid a lot more and we, we really tried to figure out what works for them, but also try to figure out, okay, if we give you what you want, how can we twist it in a way that we're also happy at the end of the day and also making money and everyone is, has that win-win. So um, people probably thought we way overpaid, but not knowing that we came to a really great um, deal where we would never have gotten that loan to value from a regular lender. Right. We wouldn't have gotten these rates from a regular lender right now. And we don't know. We're not hit with fees. We're not hit with other, we're just, we're hit the ground running right away. Yeah. And so we were able to save some money for the renovations we need to do.
2: I feel like the, the, the theme of today is you are a deal scoop master. <laughs> like you are like, like ninja buying like just coming here's here's my window I've got like an hour boom like 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 just a SWAT team like a deal extraction like here's my chance act activate I I've, I've, that's that's the sense that I get
1: yeah well then you know very well Sean like we tried to swoop in this a uh, couple of days ago this weekend it didn't work out they don't always work out but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take so just take those shots <laughs>
2: Michael,
0: Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott,
2: <laughs> Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan.
0: No, it was Wayne Gretzky.
2: Mm.
0: Anyway, um, yeah, I kind of feel like maybe you have one of those core group of friends is uh, an intimidation team. And once people make an offer on something, you send out, uh, send out the goons and they have their lead pipes and they just <laughs> say, yeah. your financing didn't go through. It's like, Yes, our financing didn't go through.
2: that's that's what it is that's what the meetups are for
0: yeah a couple great pickups there awesome well thank you Jessica for being on the show you really appreciate it um we are going to wrap things up here um if people wanted to get a hold of you where's the best way to do that
1: um you can find me on social media um at just luke invest j-e-s-s-l-u-c invest on uh, on instagram and on facebook
0: Perfect. All right, so check them out, and uh, until the next one, we have our uh, Calendly links below. If you want to talk to Sean or I about anything that you heard today, or any other episode, or your own real estate needs—real uh, estate needs being the most cliche term in real estate—but we'll talk about them again. Don't forget to like, subscribe on, uh, or share on YouTube, plus Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That would be lovely. So until the next one, I'm Brennan McKeegan. This is Sean Tasse, and until the next one, keep it real.
2: Collective!